Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Truth. This is our, our third episode in God's Not Like That. Brian's Clark's uh, award-winning book on the bestsellers list, USA Today. That's not a slouch book. Um, uh, but anyway, we have nine copies at the house. I'm here with Kara, my wife, who's chiming in on a lot of things. And when I thought it was wrong, we you know she does have two copies under the coffee table to keep it level. And I told her she should have used another book. <laughs> still leaning. It's still yeah, leaning. Yeah, well, no, it's leaning a, left or right, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great book. Uh, listen, uh, today we're going to talk about The Unattractive Bride. Whew, boy. The Unattractive Bride. This should be good. Um, uh, if you think God's mad or disappointed with you or just plain mean, you might be surprised to find out that God actually loves you and has a lot of great things in store for you. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Don't cut that out. Leave that in. <laughs> anyway, Brian's going to give the message. Kara and I will comment on it. And, uh, man, we've been getting into some deep discussions on the last two episodes. So let's wow. see what... We could get into on this third episode. I'm a mess. So, <laughs> no, the, this is cool. This is why I got my wife in here. My wife is like the female Kramer. She'll say she's completely honest. She holds nothing back. Oh wow! And it is great for discussion purposes. The female Kramer. Wow, <laughs> you're Pretty in so much, much trouble. When you, yeah, you know. I mean, she'll walk in and she'll go, uh, "Hey, what's wrong with your nose?" When everybody else is like, "Oh, what's you know?" Everybody, uh-huh. she'll say it. What is wrong? It'll you know bring forth is? discussion. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm, that's why Kara's in here. She's good at this stuff. So anyway, Brian is going to read it. And we're going to comment, and I hope you listening. At home, I hope you get something out of it as well. If you want to email us any questions, send us an email. We'll try to get your questions too. Thanks. All right. So I love the church. I mean, I've given my adult life to the bride of Christ. So many of our churches are filled with awesome people who serve Jesus faithfully and give of themselves weekly to care for others. The finest people I know walk through the doors of our church every week. I feel blessed to be their pastor. So why does it seem like some people are totally turned off by the church? Sometimes it's because people have been hurt by the church. I mean, churches are not perfect. They don't claim to be. Sometimes hurtful things happen in churches, and I'm truly sorry for that. It's certainly not what we want. It's good to remind ourselves that Christian churches don't claim to be a gathering of the self-righteous or the best performers. Actually, it's just the opposite. We are a gathering of sinners and misfits and losers who know our only hope for righteousness is found in Jesus alone. Anytime you gather that many strugglers together weekly, the odds are people are going to get wounded sometimes. But maybe there's something else at play. What if the love story between Christ and his church was pictured in your family of origin in a way that really wasn't very attractive to you? What if your experiences in church actually tap into experiences you had growing up that were hurtful or unattractive to you? That may explain why your reaction to things at church may seem a bit irrational or unreasonable. Like when Paul is discussing marriage in Ephesians 5, he identifies very clearly that the husband is to picture the selfless love of Christ for his bride, the church. 
and the wife is the picture of the church's response to Christ's love. In other words, the husband and wife have the assignment at home of picturing the greatest love story of all time, the relationship between Christ and his beloved bride, the church. This is not something I've made up or created. This is God telling us these are the assigned roles at home. As a matter of fact, in this Ephesians passage, Paul quotes Genesis 2.24 as a reminder that this has been God's design for marriage right from the beginning. So think of it like a play that God has written to teach us about the greatest love story of all time. Playing the part of Jesus in the story is the husband. Playing the part of the church is the wife. Done correctly, this picture is beautiful. Kids grow up and realize if the relationship between Christ and his church looks like the love story between my mom and dad, well, then that's beautiful. It's attractive. But if the relationship is not attractive, if the marriage is poor, then the kids leave home with a very unfavorable picture of Christ and his church. Ask yourself, if the church is like your parents' marriage, would that be attractive or repelling to you? I mean, maybe you were raised in an abusive home, or your parents got divorced. Maybe you were raised by a single parent or got moved around from one foster home to another. Yes, these are painful situations, far from the ideal of what God intended. That's the point. The pain of these situations gets projected onto God, making the relationship with his bride unattractive. I mean, think about your parents' marriage. Now think about your feelings toward the church. Are there any correlations? Why does the church seem controlling or abusive or authoritative to you? Why does it seem fake or insincere or weak? Why does it feel like the church is bossy or demanding or judgmental of you? Do any of these feelings about the church correlate to things you experienced at home growing up? When the picture is done well, it's beautiful. The image is attractive. The love story is inviting. But when it's done poorly, the picture is unappealing. These aren't conscious thoughts you're having. These things get buried deep in your subconscious thoughts. All you know is the church seems very unattractive to you. You might be surprised how much of your life growing up has been projected onto God and his church. As long as your view of God is messed up, you're going to struggle. If you are a parent, remember the purpose of the family is to pass on a right view of God. But you can't pass on what you don't have. You need to do the work to correct a faulty view of God, not only for your sake, but for the sake of those who will follow you. So let's bring in Dan and Kara. Let's talk about this. Well, first of all, uh, uh, if there was a love story about it, uh, uh, Jim Caviezel would be playing Jesus, just to let you know that. Well, as you were reading that, Brian, Dan, and I looked at each other because our parents' marriages, we want to know if your parents would like to adopt us because <laughs> <laughs> we have some views. Um, 
I remember a story that you told one time uh, when you were talking about your mom. And I, I think it went as such, and, and I actually think about it quite often, about um, you asking your mom, why do you keep praying for my dad to be healed? And she said, it's because one day I might walk out of the kitchen and find him standing in the, in the living room. And I tell you, uh, I, I draw up on that all the time, Brian. Mm. So I thank you for that. And it kind of, you know, um, you wonder sometimes why God does things. But I draw on that, and I've used it as an example f- for other people who are going through things. And, man, this feels like a therapy session for me because uh, I did not have anything that special. I mean, I had parents that did the things. I, I had a meal every night. I had clothing and a roof over my head. My parents, my dad, especially on the farm, at a ranch, he worked very hard. But there was no love uh, between the two of them, and, and mm-hmm. then it, and it ended in divorce. So, boy, it, it's interesting. How, How old were you when they divorced? 27. Mm-hmm. And so I endured that, and um, and. There was no hugging. There was there's nothing. So it was we were doers. We we get up. We'd do farm work. And um, my reward in that was to see a clean barn. That was like wow, this is great. Never you've done a good job. And um, I remember when I wrote my first book, a friend of mine um, actually was the is the wife of Arnie Cole, um, who is CEO of Back to the Bible. And she said, I'm so proud of you. And I was like, whoa, that was mm. the first time I'd ever wow. heard that. <laughs> I was in my 40s. So. That's powerful. Yeah. But um, so I, I, again, draw on that. Uh, but it goes to show you why I always thought, I always think God's disappointed in me or he's going to take off on me when things get tough. It makes perfect sense. And why? <laughs> it's taken me so long. Uh, I go into a church. I feel welcome. And then I feel like uh, I'm not welcome. And I think it's me now. It's not the church. It's not the congregation. I'm just waiting for that one person to be snarky so I can so see how it is. See? there. It's just a matter well, of time. I, I do think that is really common. Yeah. We're not thinking these things. It's not in our conscious minds. But it is getting projected onto God. I mean. Uh, we talk about like roles in marriage and all that, and oftentimes it it turns into debates and arguments and what does this look like? And, and I think sometimes Christians think, well, it's just how we're supposed to organize things at home. But that's really not what it is. It's God saying, I want this picture of me mm-hmm. at home. I want your kids to see this because I want them to understand this is the love story. This is the relationship I want to have with you. So when it's done well, and I know you and Dan have modeled this wonderfully before your own children, then your kids are like, well, that that's very attractive. That was a beautiful thing of my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. But if it isn't done well, then it's it's not attractive. And I think people just have negative views of the church, but they don't really know why they have negative right. views. And often it roots back to something they grew up with. Yeah, well, the church is supposed to be the church and people hear stories coming out of the church and obviously they go right to the church and they blame i mean 
it just shows that nobody really reads the Bible or understands the Bible. They comment on things they don't know about. Obviously, like you said earlier, the church has problems. So it's sure. Just, it's a human. There's humans in there. Yeah. There's humans running it. Anytime you get a bunch of humans together. Absolutely. Yeah. But if people would just actually buckle down and go, I really want to understand what Christianity is all about and what Jesus is all about, they'll begin to understand that humans aren't perfect and humans sin and humans... And it's really tough. It's really tough for um, people that don't understand the basics of the tenets of the Bible. And what's about, it's hard for them to understand that. Um, <laughs> so that's why we have shows like this. Yeah. So, so people can search the Bible and really un- try to understand it and what it's all about. I think it's amazing, though, what God can do. Just just as an example of what God can do to people that grew up in homes like Kara or like me. But, I mean, look, I had a falling away. My dad was a nutcase, and he was preaching the Bible. You know, if, like I said in the first uh, section of this, if anybody had any reason to go, yeah, a bunch of bunk, it would yeah. be me. Yeah, for sure. Just for the crap I saw. Yeah. And Kara never knew about any of it. Yeah. And here's two people that God brought together. One didn't know anything about it at all. The other one was backslid, knew a little bit about it, to change our hearts the way he changed our hearts and then to have a family and raise your family like God intended somebody to raise a family. I mean, our kids actually have benefited from from what we didn't have the benefits of. So it just shows how God does work, how God can uh, how can he can like uh, do patchwork there and and create another yeah, great a, family out a, of a whole new legacy, a whole new legacy yeah, over the damaged legacies of yeah. two other people. So it can it it does happen, and it happens as long as you surrender yourself to Jesus and get close to Him, understand Him. And, uh, you know, that's we were talking yesterday or last week about just the family and and putting God first. A lot of time you take you to the baseball game, you do this. But I was uh, listening. I, I told you that pastor I was listening before the old guy. Um, what was his name? Uh, hold on. You said, oh, that's old school. The guy from Ireland. What was his name? Oh, the Scottish guy. Yeah. Sinclair. Sinclair. Yeah. And he said, and he basically said, Dress like Christ. It doesn't mean you have to walk around and pray all day and blah, blah, blah. Because a lot of people, that's a misconception. Oh, I've become a Christian. It's all I can do. I have to go sing hymns all day. I can't do this. I can't. That's not it. When he's, and he was talking about dressing like Christ. And what does it mean to dress like Christ? It's to put on all the gifts that Christ gives. Peace, um, uh, thoughtfulness. All of the gifts, all the spiritual gifts. Yeah, fruit Dre- of the spirit. Yeah, yeah. Dress like him. If you do yeah. that, you're going to be a good example to your kids, regardless if they got a baseball game on Sunday. They're you're dressed like Christ. They know. You're constantly showing them how how Jesus is by the way that you're dressed in your life. You know, going back to the to like offering your kids a different legacy a new legacy, which I think is totally true. I think it's an awesome thing. But I also now know, I also know 
how hard both of you have worked at that. It's not like it miraculously happened. I was just going to say that. You've been so diligent, and that's what's necessary to begin to correct your view of God and walk differently. I've had to work at that because, well, so I kept fighting and fighting and fighting. Oh, you were a major issue. Well, and I still have to. I still look for excuses not to walk through those doors on Sunday morning because I'm just waiting. And now it's an excuse. It's just pride. I I know that when I first came to Jesus was because I kept making these excuses and then I believed it. But I had to say how people behave doesn't mean the gospel isn't true. Absolutely. It is 100% true. And once you can get there with it, um, and, and that willingness to work at going through those doors on Sunday morning or connecting with other believers, that was the other thing. I had to make myself connect purposely with other believers. Because right. I just figured at some point they were going to let me down. And now I know at some point they're probably going to let me down, but it's a brother or a sister in Christ, and I'm going to let them down. You forget about yourself. Yeah. You forget about yourself and your faults. Yeah, don't cancel out the message just because you got a problem with the messenger. You know, it's the message that we want to focus on. Well, and I think sometimes, too, people see what they want to see. It's like if you want to see some of the most amazing people I've ever met— they're walking through those doors every week. They're amazing. Right. They're not perfect people. No. But there's also people there that are not so together and may do something hurtful. So it's like it, it, it you see what you want to see. Where, where doesn't the enemy want you? He definitely does not, the world, the enemy and people— they don't want you in church on Sundays. Yeah. They want you doing any other thing but yeah. or hanging out with other believers. And they certainly don't want traditional marriage anymore. And now I can see why it's all of these organizations and these people are breaking down a husband and wife, a man and a woman becoming one flesh for life. Yeah, there's no question the enemy's got marriage in his crosshairs. Because it isn't just marriage, it's what it pictures, and then the damage it does, um, which is a huge problem. Yeah. So to review it all, to bring it all together, Brian, how would you end this? Well, let's say that I said to Dan, Dan, I really want to be your friend. Well, that's not going to happen, Brian. But I I can't stand your wife. (laughs) It's like... it isn't going to happen. It's like that's that's part of what it means to be your friend is I also love your wife right. and who you are together. So somehow we have to get past this idea that I can really love Jesus but not like his wife. It's mm-hmm. like he loves her. Right. He gave his life for her. So to our listeners I would bring it back to really think about what you experienced growing up and how that might have affected your view of the bride of Christ. And maybe there's some things that need to be rethought because he loves her. That's part of what grace is all about. Right. 
And I think to sort that out and maybe recapture a vision for the beauty of the Bride of Christ, she'll be beautiful one day. She's in process right now. Uh, so I, I guess to sum it up, to have a right view of God is also to formulate a correct view of his bride. Uh, and that usually roots back to things we experienced growing up. And no matter what you experienced that turned you off of Christianity or off of the church, it's like Kara said, none of that has any effect on if Christianity is true, if Jesus rose from the dead and he's your savior. None of that, I mean, that's what matters. None of the, don't get mad at the messenger because he's screwing things up. It's about the message. Well, as divorce yourself as I had to, and then you can get along with other people. Yeah. Hi, Kara Whitney here. I love it when I get to be part of this podcast with Dan and Brian. It's really fun, but I also learn a lot, and I hope that you do too. Now, before we go, Brian's new book, God's Not Like That, really speaks to all of us about the right view of God versus the God we learned about from our family. No family is perfect, and we know that, but God can redeem all of that and give us the abundant life that we long for. So if you'd like a copy of God's Not Like That, please visit talkintruth.com. That's talk with the letter N, truth.com. Well, that's all for now. Join us again next week for more Talkin' Truth. Get it done.